In the land of Krypton, in the fires of Mount Zod, Jor-El sent his <laughs> only begotten son to Earth with the Codex, uh, the Genesis Codex or something. Um, Zack Snyder, 2013, Man of Steel. We're going to be talking about the Superman film that donned the planet of the uh dceu <laughs> sorry random <laughs> random wording here but we're we're starting off strong my name is dakota i'm joined with anthony and there's some strong welcome. Like, planet of the apes vibe I, th- I thought that's where you're heading well that's where i was going to head and then i had to realize i had to pivot because apes doesn't make any sense i could have said grod i guess but he's not in the dceu yet um all right Welcome to Project Geekology. Uh, today we're going to be talking all about Man of Steel. We're going to be reviewing it, we're going to be discussing what worked and what didn't, and we're doing this because in a couple weeks time, Zack Snyder's Justice League Snyder Cut is coming out. I think I, I'm, it's safe to say that we're both excited for Snyder Cut. Are, are you excited for it, Anthony? Yeah, I'm hoping that there's some redemptive properties to it because that first one was not good. Actually at the alamo draft house they they sometimes come out with like cups that you can buy or pint glasses that you can buy that tie in with the movie that you're watching and i'm currently drinking out of a mondo justice league cup and it's one of my favorite cups and it's a shame that the movie isn't one of my favorite movies but here's hoping that Zack snyder's justice league snyder cut will change it up for me before we begin Anthony, what have you been up to over this past week? What have I been up to? Well, I, I talked to you a little bit about what was going on today, the day of recording, which is February 25th, 2021, that uh, Xbox Live has been down for about five hours now, which Say is crazy. What? Yeah, I know. And they, they're not giving any What do you think it is? Behind it. They didn't give any reasoning behind it. They haven't said if it was a DDoS, which is a, a denial of, di- of service. De- yeah, d- denial of distribution. Direct denial of, of or, service. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty like much that. sending a whole bunch of traffic to one site and then it crashes that site, which happened to hmm. Buzzsprout earlier <laughs> this week, which was an interesting yeah. thing. But I mean, they thankfully it didn't happen on our like upload day. Yeah, for real. But I think they bounced back pretty but, well. I mean, sometimes it happens. Sometimes people's are jerks. But yeah, um, got to watch Man of Steel, which we'll be talking about in this episode. And no, not today. Was it today or is it yesterday? Where I joined up with your guild in Galaxy of Heroes. Oh yeah. So last week uh, on our last week on our Lion King episode, we discussed that I had recently jumped back into Star Wars: Galaxy of Heroes with a couple buds. I invited Anthony to join our guild. We now have a grand total of like six people. Um, if you want to join, uh, please go to Galaxy of Heroes and uh, find the guild. The Cold Republic. Not not the Gold Republic, not the Old Republic, but the Cold Republic. It's chilly down here. And, um, yeah, please uh, join us. We're trying to do some raids, but we can't because we don't have enough people to get guild tokens. But, um, anyway. 
something that broke my heart is the fact that we are not canon so i wanted to get oh, ahead yeah. of that yeah get ahead of the news on that one uh <laughs> before you find it before you find out from the wrong people yeah we're we're not canon it's just uh it's just for fun it's role play this isn't the republic during a cold age it just no. doesn't exist <laughs> imagine it, it just the star wars yeah an ice age in the star wars galaxy just everywhere is cold places <laughs> like hoth are just in, uninhabitable oh my gosh yeah like it's snowing on tatooine but yeah so i haven't gone too crazy this week uh you know just doing gaming as usual and uh you know consuming our media of the week but yeah other than that yeah. um nothing too well, crazy. well before before um before you jump over to me what what would you be playing right now if the uh xbox live servers were still up if they were up i actually was thinking about hopping on to battlefront 2 good game people good battlefront, game. yeah at battlefront 2 and we're talking about the the newest one that came out uh 2017 it had a lot of flack yeah. back in the day because of the whole loot box thing which was well deserved, but they came yeah, around well deserved and they flag, fixed seriously. it. They bounced back. There's no loot box system, and they added a lot of content, which is like really fun. It's a really really fun game. I I enjoy it. I actually have it on PS4 also because they gave it away for free during one of the months, so I could actually yeah. hop on with you, Dakota. Yeah, I just I got it free on PS4 the other week. Uh, so that was fun. Um, awesome. Yeah, we, we should hop on it at some point. Maybe do a Battlefront episode? What do you oh, say? Yeah, yeah. What do you oh. say, bud? Yeah, I'm, I'm really, like, I'm down for that. But yeah, um, yeah. other than the... Have you noticed, actually, uh, that the new Lucasfilm Games thing is, like, steering clear of, like, uh, EA? Oh, they're trying to give themselves some space from EA for right now because of uh, their whole... Because of the all that flack that they had, I mean, I think the only game that they released that really had any positive response to it was uh, Jedi Fallen Order, which is crazy. I mean, you give this huge company the reins to make as many Star Wars games as possible. They had free reign to do whatever they wanted with the Star Wars universe, and they made like two big game or three big games because both Battlefront games, and then like a slew of uh, random like mobile games but and then the uh flight sim one squadrons right which right, squadrons right, right. is not bad i i have it and it's actually not bad it's pretty fun just imagine the flying in battlefront 2 but a lot more refined it feels a little bit more like a flight sim than a video you know just like a video game i mean it's a video game but there's a little bit more to it all right, so squadrons, you can use a HOTAS, which is H-O-T-A-S, and it means hands-on throttle and stick. So you can actually use it like a flight sim. So I've actually played That's it cool. that way too, and it's really fun. Other than that, in Jedi Fallen Order, the other games have had like really bad press, except for Battlefront 2. Battlefront 2, the beginning was like completely terrible, but. It got a lot better. It was bad the, press for weeks. Yeah. yeah it was oh, bad it was press a mess. for weeks. It was a mess. But, like, um, but I don't think that their press was as bad as Cyberpunk's. So. <laughs> right. Or Blizzard recently. So. 
other than that tangent that I just went on, what have you been up to this week, Dakota? No, that's not a tangent. I was asking you questions, so it's you're, you're good. You're good. No. Uh, as far as what I've been up to, well, last week I watched my first Muppet movie ever. That oh, was the right. uh, Treasure Island one. Then the next day, uh, after we had recorded our Lion King episode, I watched the Muppets movie, the original, uh, the one from I think it's '79, and then I watched uh, Christmas Carol, which it was a it was a pretty remarkably good Christmas Carol. I, I love Charles Dickens, and they kind of nailed that story really well. But uh, but that was cool. Uh, we also finished. Uh, Twin Peaks finally uh, it took us we, we weren't like rushing through it but it's only two seasons I guess it was canceled and I didn't know it was canceled so we got to the end of the show and like there were like more questions than ever that just weren't answered it was it was dude I thought they were trolling me like I thought like David Lynch the creator had just stopped the show as like a haha to fans. I had to like look it up, like what is happening here? Because it doesn't make any sense. There was so many questions that opened and the last episode was literally, like half of it was in reverse. Half of the episode was literally people walking backwards in reverse. It was the most bizarre like mind trip thing <laughs> I've ever experienced. Oh my gosh. Anyway, yeah, uh, that was that was something else. Um, I'm, I've been going through... I've actually done a lot this past week. I've also been watching through the Clone Wars a little bit. I finally got through the Mortis trilogy. Oh, that that's was something a good one. That was really impressive. Yeah. Now, one thing that I, I noticed like time and again throughout the Mortis trilogy was that the imagery that they kept showing, or the landscapes and everything, were 100% uh, taken from Lord of the Rings. Like... I don't know who directed those episodes, but I know Filoni's a big fan of Lord of the Rings. It was Peter and Jackson. My dude. <laughs> yeah, it was, was. But there was a scene that looked exactly like the Mines of Moria. There was a scene that looked like the, the Two Towers. Like, uh, there was a scene that, that looked like the, the steps that they were climbing to get to Shelob's Lair and Morgoth and all this stuff. I was like, holy cow. They just, like, watched lord of the rings and we're like i want this in star wars and <laughs> i like how we started this episode with a very like lord of the rings-esque touch to it and then now we're like talking more about lord of the rings i think that i think that really what's being said here is that we need to do a lord of the rings episode oh man i think we do i think we do perhaps uh for the next poll we'll throw in lord of the rings how about that at least fellowship. I am 100% with that. All right. Extended or theatrical? Dude, you better cut this from the podcast. Because anybody <laughs> that likes Lord of the Rings will be like... Let, let me tell you, the last time I watched a theatrical cut, I was like, man, there's something missing. <laughs> there's so much missing when you watch the theatrical cut just yeah, way yeah oh no no i i can't i cannot put myself through that i i've spoiled right. myself and then now you now you make me want to get that 4k edition and i already have a blu-ray i have the regulars dude uh, right here right next to me i have the blu-rays i have the regulars like do i need to get like 80 more extended editions tell me how you really feel <laughs> because i will all right, all right. <laughs> exactly i know <laughs> While we're not saying that we're doing the Fellowship of the Ring next, 
uh, because we're doing Princess Bride next. We're taking a yes. break one week from the poll, and then the week following, we'll put Lord of the Rings on the poll to fill certain gaps. Um, but we are excited to cover Lord of the Rings at some point. But today, today we are covering the first movie in the DC Extended Universe, Man of Steel, Zack Snyder's 2013 film. That's very desaturated. <laughs> Anthony, I, I don't think I've ever had a, had a conversation to you about Man of Steel. Yeah, I don't, what, I, I don't think is, we've talked about it much. I think we may have talked about Batman vs. Superman or Justice League, but I don't think specifically Man of Steel. What are your thoughts on it? What were your thoughts before going into this movie, and what are your thoughts uh, having rewatched it? So I remember seeing the trailers back in 2013 and thinking that it looked really cool. Mm-hmm. The the cinematography seemed really cool. Leaving that movie, I remember thinking that I didn't hate it, but I also didn't like it. And it's a weird movie. It, it it is it is a weird movie. And while it does get a lot of flack, and some of it is deserved, there are some qualities of the film that I do like. Like I do believe that Henry Cavill is a pretty good Superman. Like, I mean, he has the look. Even when he's in, like, Clark Kent mode, he does it pretty well. He's almost like a more chiseled version of Tom Welling. And okay. so in this rewatch, I remember in the beginning, the first act and a half, I was thinking, like, man, I remember kind of liking this movie and kind of not liking this movie. But, like, when you start it off, it kind of builds you up a bit. Like, I was like okay i i like this but then once you get into that like like you you get through like the latter half of act two and then act three you're like okay now i see what about it i didn't like i don't know like the first half of the movie has so much going for it and then once you get to that second half it's like it's bonkers it's like a video game right and what are what are your thoughts on superman as a superhero in general To be honest, you could tell me. I, I oh man! Go. So, so Superman is not my favorite hero. He, That's fine. He so the thing that I do like about Superman, and I'll say this, is that he, he's like one of the most OP characters in the DC universe. You go into the comics, and there's like so much that he can do that it almost seems like it's unfair. I mean, he mm-hmm. does have his weakness, of course. You know, Kryptonite. He can also be affected by magic too. But I do like that you have this super like powerful being and he grew up in one of the most like humble settings, which is a farm. That aspect I do like. I think that that's a, a pretty cool spin on that character. Like he's just, mm-hmm. he's not just saving the earth. He's saving the universe like countless of times. And this guy grew up on a farm. I do like that aspect Superman is not my favorite because he's just just so OP. <laughs> it's mm. he's just so so OP. He's like the uh he's like the Goku of the DC universe. Okay. I, I totally get that. And um, I, I know of... I, I know oh, I know ahead, you like I'm sorry. I know you you like Superman, so I I want you to uh kind of break down your love of <laughs> superman i remember that dude you have that picture that you drew of superman uh, oh that was a that was a while ago yeah and, and it I, was I good man that takes dedication 
Oh, hold on, hold on. We have a special guest star, uh, Jen, coming in from the other room to take the dog outside. Jen, what are your thoughts on Man of Steel? Be honest, be candid. Uh, I thought it was alright. I mean, Henry Cavill. Hey. Hey, get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Go, scram. <laughs> Do you want me to say, like... Yeah, go ahead. Whatever. What I thought. Um, I don't know. I just thought... I thought it was weird that they, like, made all of these, like, references to Jesus, but then they made Superman, like, not that kind of depiction, like, that perfect hero, which I'm fine with. I think, like, okay, if you want to have a different take on Superman, that's fine. But then don't compare him to Jesus every like five freaking seconds. I don't, not well, every. Z- second, Zack Snyder but... has a thing with um, messianic imagery. I don't know if you've seen the latest picture for his upcoming um, Justice League film, but it's it's the Joker, Jared Leto's Joker, with a crown of thorns on his head. Uh, good going, Zack. Yeah, I've seen some pretty good memes about that actually. <laughs> Yeah. But, it's like a picture of him as Jesus and it's like we live in a society. <laughs> but well, yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was like I don't know, pick your lane. Pick your lane that you want to be in and stay in it. Alright. We'll, he has to pick we'll one. probably talk a little bit more about that. But yeah, I do agree. It's weird that there there are scenes that Superman decides or not at that point, but Clark Kent decides not to turn the other cheek. But instead to um, destroy someone's truck. Dude, that was like, I just thought like, I, I mean, I'm not the biggest Superman buff or anything, but I just thought like, yeah, he he wouldn't have done that. I don't know. Yeah, there are moments where Clark does things that just aren't Clark can't like. Like, the first of all, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it behind someone's back. And second of all, he wouldn't ruin that person's entire career by destroying... Yeah, their... that's true. <laughs> destroying that. his livelihood. Um, I, I think that the movie does have some merits, though. It's not all bad. You know, it's just the first thing that comes to mind is negative. But that's with a lot of criticism. You know, you think of that first. But I, I do think that the, the movie had some good parts. Like, I think him with the school bus, saving the school bus. And yeah. that, that was really cool. There was a lot of cool things about it that I liked. Yeah. So. Right. And a lot of the music had that old school Superman feel to it also. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm out. All right. For those reasons, I'm out. Bye. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. All right. So that was... A word Jen. from Jen. A word from Jen. Where were, what were we talking about before Jen so rudely interrupted our session? Oh, your thoughts on Superman, right? Oh, yeah. I like the guy. I don't know. He seems like a good dude. So I, I've always grown up thinking Superman was my favorite superhero. I, I know that that may seem silly to some. I, I think the general consensus nowadays is the typical good character or typical bad character is not as interesting as the grayer characters like Batman. You know, he lives in the gray in terms of like... He's a protagonist who is willing to get a little dirty to do the right thing. But Superman will always be the big blue Boy Scout. He will always do the right thing. And I, that's something that I've always admired. Um, and he, it's like a non-compromising uh, position. He is someone with absolute power, but he absolutely never becomes corrupt by it. And that's 100% based on his mythology as a character. You know, it's he's a character who was uh, orphaned from youth, from a dying star, um, sent to Earth, and he was picked up on a farm. He lived the most uh, humble life possible in Kansas Smallville, working with his uh, aging parents, and they taught him American values, 
that transcends uh, race and time and privilege. And he has a lot of privilege, but he never uses it or he never abuses it. And I, that's something that I've always really, really loved about the character. And I think that that mythology is what kind of sets the archetypal superhero. You know, most superheroes put on the costume and they become the superhero. But for Clark or Kal-El, it's kind of the opposite. Like, he he's born with those superpowers. He's born from another world. He's an alien. He's uh, an alien among humans. So, so really, his costume is Clark Kent. And that's probably the biggest failing for me with Man of Steel is that they didn't get Clark Kent right. Because you can have a, a great movie with Superman, but if you don't get Clark Kent right, well, that's everything. Because that's who he's trying to be. Yeah. His entire life, his entire life is trying to be that normal person, um, and we see that a little bit in the in the beginning. You know, he's trying to live a normal life. He's he's doing odd jobs. He's doing, you know, deadliest catch. Uh, yeah, right. He's working at a bar. He's the guy gets jobs. Uh, hey, I mean, more power to him. But it was random. There was, like, no personality behind any of the jobs that he chose. And for me, if you don't have personality, then you're not Clark Kent. I, I don't know. I, it's There's something about the Clark Kent character that is so, that is so important for understanding uh, Superman as a character, for making him interesting. Because, like I said, every other hero puts on the cape and they become their alter ego. He takes off the cape and that's his alter ego. So, yeah, I, I love Superman. It, I can dig through my uh, comic. Uh, I can dig through my comics, and probably half of them will have Superman either on the cover or in one of the panels on the inside. Uh, I love the character so much, and this is not my favorite adaptation of the character. But what would you say your favorite adaptation of Superman is? That's tough. I don't think there's a perfect one. Uh, I, I'll be controversial here and say that, although it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, so my opinion has probably changed quite a bit on it, I believe that Brandon Routh's Superman um, from Superman Returns did a fantastic job of A, making the Clark Kent character believable and relatable, and did a great job of reintroducing the uh, Christopher Reeve movies from the 70s and 80s, uh, back into, uh, you know, modern superhero movies. And I, I think that Brian Singer nailed that, that film, even though some of the, even though some of the things that the villains were doing was, was a little kooky, you know, the, the idea that, uh, Lex Luthor was using grown crystals to make land off the coast of Metropolis is a little weird. Um, and he was selling it at a premium to become extra rich. It, it was a little uh, bizarre. But it's very there comic are some... bookie. Yeah, and that's fine. Uh, right. It, but I think, that, I, I think that movie gets a lot more flack than it deserves because um, at the end of the day, one of the biggest concerns that people had when they saw Superman Returns um, in 2006 was that there was no real threat for Superman. You can mention the point where he like lifts up the mountain of kryptonite and like sends it into orbit or whatever um, as being uh, a feat of strength for the character, which it is because that would be that'd be like you and I lifting up a mountain. But um, 
<laughs> but there were some seriously good Superman scenes in that movie. Like the, the scene where he stops the plane oh, yeah. from crashing. Dude, that is probably the best Superman scene ever put to film. Uh, little stuff like... Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to talk about that film. But I, I do like Superman Returns quite a bit. I did see Superman Returns recently. Not very recently. I think maybe within the last year I had seen it. And I did enjoy it. I think that it's a pretty decent Superman movie. And I think that Brandon Ralph does a pretty good job at the role. So, I mean, it, it's it's a hard role to fill, and I think he did his best. Clark Kent and Superman, they're synonymous, but they're also different. Would you say that that's your mm -hmm. favorite portrayal of Clark Kent? Or do you have a another portrayal that you like of Clark Kent? I mean, I know that we're talking about Man of Steel, but I think it would be remiss if we didn't talk about Superman a little bit more than outside of the movie, you know? So I grew up watching, we grew up watching Smallville. And oh. that was a very fundamental show for our youth and understanding um, the superhero archetype structure and stuff. The first episode nails it, nails the character. He can never get what he wants, no matter what. Yeah. He is destined to either be uh, a world domineering uh, superpower or the mild mannered Clark Kent who never gets what he wants from life. Because at the end of the day, he knows that he can help people. And if he helps people, he will cause harm in other ways to either his family, to himself. He will let his secret out. And it's just a, it's a, the, the, the dichotomy of being able to help someone and wanting to just live a normal life is so powerful with Superman. And that is why I think that he is one of the more interesting characters, um, not because he is like all powerful. So the idea that he is an all powerful character is true. They, it's like an unwritten rule in comic books. It's, it's, it's an unwritten rule in movies. Everyone gauges their superpower against Superman. Uh, they even had like a Marvel versus DC comic, like, must be 20 years at this point. 20 years ago at this point. Uh, JLA versus Avengers. And I, I think in like the second or third is issue, they have uh, uh, Superman stop Mjolnir. And everyone kind of like looks, everyone from the Marvel Universe kind of like looks over and just like, who is that guy? <laughs> and it's like an it's an unspoken rule in comics that Superman is just stronger. You know, when you talk like if you ever listen to like Stan Lee talk about Superman, obviously most of his characters are based off of that archetype. And it's just it's it was the first hero of its kind. It was the first comic book superhero. And um, I, I guess there's a reason for the reverence, whether spoken or unspoken. So let's let's actually talk about man of steel yeah no um, yeah we so yeah i thought it was a good idea to kind of break down a little bit into what superman means to us and and what portrayals of superman we enjoyed and i agree with you although superman is not my favorite i absolutely loved smallville growing up that was, was one of my favorite shows i know that was one of your favorite shows so i agree with you on that 
With that being said, let us jump into the movie. Okay, so I think we'll start with the Krypton scenes because, in my opinion, those are great. That 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 first twenty five minutes of them on Krypton of uh, Jor-el and um, Lara, Lara and Zod and Feora and all the people on Krypton, dude, that is awesome. Whatever they like did in the drawing room when they were coming up with the concept art and stuff for Krypton, they totally 100% nailed. I, I love everything that they did, except for the giant flying penises. <laughs> the, the giant flying what? Penises. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, dude. That, oh my gosh. Oh, you yeah. saw that too, right? Yeah. That, I was like, what were they thinking? What I either they weren't or they were trying to make a message or they were trying to send a message that didn't land. Um, so I, that sorry for our language, but yeah, I mean they they had literally okay. So Zod and his uh, cronies become imprisoned, so they're they're gonna send them into the Phantom Zone. So instead of you know doing like the cool twirly portal thing that they did in the uh, original Superman movies or the triangle, whatever. They individually like encapsulated their bodies, but like accentuated their feet for no reason, and they shot them up into the sky, and it looks like like seven or eight flying penises. That's so weird, dude. I don't know what they were thinking, but there's no way, there's no unseeing that image. I I, I, I rewound that for Jen. I know that. I rewound that's... that because it was ridiculous. Um. But anyway, going back, going back to the beginning, I, I really loved uh, Russell Crowe yeah. as Jor-el. Dude, he nailed that part. I wish, I wish we get uh, a lot more like Jor-el down the line, but it doesn't really make sense for the character. I mean, you do get those bits and pieces, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which I appreciate, like the the idea that he was the uh, the foremost scientist on Krypton, so that he would have the ability, even after death, to converse with his son and everything and that's something that obviously comes from pretty much every other superman iteration at this point but it was cool seeing in this i, I think that the technology that they introduced was really interesting he's force ghosting it he was force ghosting it or yeah yeah it was basically a force ghost it was like a hologram computer thing but it had all of Jor-El's actual memories and stuff uh one of the most beautiful scenes in that whole movie is like when uh Krypton is blowing up and Lara is like just looking at like the cascade of the lava just coming uh towards her and she just kind of disintegrates but she doesn't flinch at all and it's just like she's accepting the fate that uh her world her people are dying but her son is going off to live again elsewhere yeah i like that yeah that scene was pretty impressive i enjoyed that also i agree with you that and th this is what i was talking about earlier was the first part of this movie was really good i enjoyed it the krypton part was fantastic the landscape looked really cool it really did look like they're off world it was cool so i i 100 agree with you and about this first part i even think some of the concepts that they did with um 
the Genesis Codex. I, I kind of like what they were trying to go with. Like there hasn't been a natural birth on Krypton for centuries, um, and all living DNA they I, I guess keep in this like Genesis chamber. That's what they called it. I don't I don't know what that means or whatever, but that's basically where all of Krypton's future beings are kept, and it's a little bit weird to think that all of these babies have predestined lives like these are going to be the scientists these are going to be cashiers these are going to be the um the waitresses um but yeah that's basically what they were doing they they basically had these jobs lined up for everyone that was like the roles that they had set and because because Jor-El knew that Krypton was dying, he stole the Genesis Codex, which kind of kept the DNA of every every known uh, being on the, the planet and every future being. And he put it into his son for some reason. Um, <laughs> that that part still kind of eludes me. If you have a reason for that, I, I'd, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> he beamed it down into Kal-El. What I don't understand is... Um, why haven't there been natural births? And why was Lara able to do a natural birth? Was right. was that just... Was it kind of like, you know, Phantom Menace where it was like almost miraculous that, you know, Anakin was born? Or like, again, the, the, the film, like Jen was saying earlier, has a lot of messianic um, ideas, but there was nothing specifically saying that he was born, you know, out of any divine birth or anything like that it was just he was born like actually born instead of made in a chamber or whatever and they never really explained why so that was a little weird for me um, i'm telling you it's the I, force. I didn't it's the force force yeah uh force of that red sun about to explode actually no in this in this one it's not the sun that explodes it's the core of the earth or the core of uh, krypton that that explodes yeah that's right all right, Anthony, why don't we go to Earth? You want to cover a little bit of what um, we see there? So we head to Earth, and this is... Uh, I'm trying to think. The, the problem about this movie, I would say, is that a good bit of it is forgettable. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So yeah, we make it to Earth, and we see a Clark Kent on the TV set of The Deadliest Catch. Not really, but I mean, he's on a fishing boat. We haven't seen any flashbacks yet, right? At this point, up to this point, no. But um, so yeah, he so he's on this fishing boat, and he they they come up to this oil rig that is on fire, and it's going to explode. And this is where we catch a glimpse of you know, like his like first save, like he saves a bunch of people on this oil derelict that is uh about to explode it's crazy because like all these people are they're seeing him but like he just somehow is just so good at disappearing like he and he does like all these different jobs what was it he like he's working as what like a bus boy yeah talk about like you know like a a humble job i mean this this guy one of like the most powerful beings in the universe and he's like doing a very humble job of of busting tables and then yeah th this is where the part that you don't like happens i mean it it was out of character for me and i thought about that that um he has some issues with one of the patrons there the guy is being a jerk 
and so Clark leaves and when the guy leaves later on Clark took a bunch of logs and like destroyed this guy's truck <laughs> he like impales the truck and the thing is is that the guy's reaction just was I, I wasn't buying that guy's reaction like the guy was just well, like, I mean it like there wasn't enough disbelief but like if I walked out and I saw something like that I'd be like dude what the like I'd be like freaking <laughs> out I'd be like what just happened I'd be like what I, I'd be uh, like I mean like there there was like no visible look of like I would be scared because I'd be like what happened and is it is it still close by <laughs> Dude, that would have freaked me out. <laughs> I'm trying to picture you just being like scared out of your mind. Like, what kind of monster did this? Dude, the, the, I mean, for there's real. no way that guy thought. There's no way that that guy thought that Clark did that. Uh, yeah, exactly. Because it was like a little while after the fact. But there's a. It adds like a number of questions. Like again, yeah, why didn't anybody else see him? Yeah. like strategically shoving huge trunks into the like the engine of this thing why did the alarm not go off dude um that <laughs> how did he get how did well how did he get the logs in that shape because like the car was up like above the ground and like there were logs like going into it like from the side and angle and like from every angle too so it was just like it looks like he like levitated it and then shot them into the the truck at every angle but again you would hear that you you would That's hear what that I'm like saying. crazy like you would have heard these giant logs impaling a huge tractor trailer like that thing is that that, uh, that this thing I mean, it was completely destroyed. That kind of destruction makes loud sounds, but somehow nobody's seen it. No alarms, no nothing. And, okay, the reason I just don't like that scene is because, like, I can, I can like, kind of laugh about it. I can enjoy the fact that, haha, this guy got his comeuppance. But really, what he did compared to what Clark did, what this guy did, he might have gotten, you know... To, to spend the night in the pokey for like a single night right you, like in the drunk tank <laughs> yeah you, you're you're in the drunk tank what clark did first of all i mean that's he's going he's going to jail for 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 a long time you know that that's that's crazy but anyway um so it just wasn't equal the punishment wasn't equal to what the guy deserved and it was if you think about it it's like career ending like this is his means of livelihood and somehow how do you explain that to someone? Hey, uh, a bunch of logs just went into my car. <laughs> I'm telling, you, I'm telling you, that would have freaked me out. That would have freaked me out, man. There's no way that I would have walked out and my mouth was would have just been like, my mouth would have like dropped, but I would have been like, oh my gosh, what, what happened? What happened to my truck? Dude, like, I would be happened? on my knees, like, oh my gosh, what <laughs> happened? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to picture it. It's so funny. Dude, like, right, we, should, I mean, we should get off it. We should get off it. I would, uh, oh but, my but gosh. At the end of the day, and, and Jen was talking about this earlier, about, like, how he, the whole movie kind of compares him to a Jesus character. And that's... The idea of Superman is kind of uh, messianic in a way. But 
when you have a character who is supposed to be like Jesus and then have him like do the exact opposite of turn the other cheek it's it's like what what are, what are you what message are you sending what what are you trying to get out of this and at the end of the day it's just like a haha that guy got his comeuppance right yeah dude that... but anyway no Ugh. so yeah anyway clark clark goes through a few jobs he clark goes through a few jobs he's a fisherman he's a bartender he's or a busboy and then he works uh briefly has some guy named joe um in baggage claim this, yeah baggage claim for for you know the u.s military like how did he, how did he know <laughs> like this? the baggage guy how did he, yeah, right how did he get the clearance for this my like he's not <laughs> nobody knows my who dude he is my dude gets jobs like and then at the end of the movie he gets a job at the daily planet no college experience necessary this is the top (laughs) this is the top newspaper in the world in this universe you got the job kid i know Um, i need that so that i need that uh that clark kent charm for real anyway all right, so uh, he meets Lois Lane while he's um, in this Arctic area trying to figure out what the big anomaly is below the ice. Uh, eventually, we find out that back in the day, some 20,000 years ago or something like that, they had uh, a bunch of explorers going out of Krypton, making little outposts around the galaxy to essentially um, see if they can repopulate across the galaxy it's almost like they were like the roman empire at one point and they were just trying to keep going you know they had conquered krypton they wanted to expand into the rest of the galaxy but it never really stuck so this thing was just under the ice they don't really explain if that like seeded life for earth if that's where the humans came from or anything like that but um whatever so lois walks in with him into this uh ship and is attacked by one of the robots. Clark saves her, and it's like the first person that she, or it's the first person that he is like, 100%. All right, I'm willing to share all my uh, powers with you. This is who I am. Um, and you know, she writes a whole article about it, and she cannot get it published because Perry either doesn't believe her at the time or thinks it's too crazy for the world to hear. But you know, in the long run. It is uh, the, crazy. the aliens are coming well yeah it is crazy and you know the world isn't ready to hear it clearly but um it's inevitable because by clark turning the ship on he basically called zod um and his cronies uh from wherever they were stationed to earth basically through scattered throughout this first half of the movie is uh, a bunch of flashbacks and i think the flashbacks are actually mostly pretty good yeah, they are. I, I really, really love the actors that they chose for John and Martha Kent. Um, I think that the morals that they're teaching him as a child stick. And you can see how they're sticking throughout the film. And I think that Zack Snyder kind of got that right. Um, I, I really... Th- there's some powerful imagery there, too. You know, there's some powerful scenes when they're... Uh, on the bus and he kind of like lifts the bus out of the water to save the the children that's a great scene it's also uh, also the scene where the scene where jonathan kent dies in the tornado oh, it's yeah. a very powerful moment 
You want to talk about that at all or no? Yeah, no, that that was a good moment. Yeah, it, it, it's it's actually kind of crazy how that tornado kind of like formed out of nowhere though. Because like the sky wasn't dark at all. <laughs> then all of a sudden this tornado came out of nowhere. Yeah. But that, that scene was pretty good. I think that it was a, like a really good learning moment for Clark also. Because his dad is out there. He's like, you know, putting his life on the line to save all these other people, but also protecting his son. And so the reason why he gets caught in the tornado is that he heads back to the truck to get their dog and he ends up saving the dog, but it's too late for him to head back to the underpass where all these people are hiding from the tornado and so he dies and that moment you could see that tears both martha and clark apart you know that like you know that breaks their heart and i think that the emotion that they captured in that scene was like really good yeah i love the idea that jonathan kent is so fixated on giving clark a normal life which is all clark wants you know throughout throughout um pretty much every superman iteration Clark Kent or Superman or uh, Kal-El, whatever, always wants a normal life. So Jonathan Kent is 100% set on giving his son what he wants in that moment. And the only way to do that is if he doesn't use his powers, if he stays being normal, if he doesn't do anything extraordinary to draw attention to him or his family. Right. And in that moment, he sacrifices himself Yeah. so that his son can continue living his life uh without problem because he loves his son and it's a great it's a great moment because just uh a minute or two earlier clark was saying you're not my real dad yeah. blah 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 and they're fighting in the car and it's almost like it is one of those scenes where it's like wow i wish that wasn't the last thing i said to my dad but that moment where they they had that connection uh right before jonathan kent uh, dies from the tornado and he pauses and he like holds out his hand there's a moment of recognition on both parties part where you, it's an understanding like we know or you know i love you i'm doing this for you please don't you know ruin your life by trying to uh use your use your powers to save me and whether that would have ruined his life or not we, we don't know but um I, i'm sure clark regrets that moment you know it's one of yeah. those things that he probably regrets most and i think you know, any one of us would think, no, there's got to be another way. And for whatever reason, he didn't have the courage in that moment to step up or figure out a way. I think that that's realistic. Whether it's realistic for <laughs> someone to die in a crazy, like, freak tornado accident like that, I don't know. I, I, I don't live in Tornado Valley. That's one of the stronger scenes for me. Yeah, that was a good what scene. About, what about, what do you think... Uh, you were saying like the second half of the film is where you start to see this, the movie's flaws. Where where do you start to see those flaws? The and I know that this is a little bit harder with it being a Superman film and there's a lot of like flying around and a lot of action, but you start seeing the the just the crazy overuse of CGI and it starts looking very video gamey to me. Okay. And they, and I'm trying to kind of quote what you said about, and you you said this during the Black Panther episode, that they're kind of they kind of bounced 
like the when they had those CGI moments and they would fight, it was very like weightless, weightless and like rubbery, like kind of like bouncing off of each other. It, it, I mean, and part of that was you know meant to be, but part of it looked weird because it was just like really just crazy CGI, and I think that that's my problem with the the DCEU movies. Is the overuse of CGI? I mean, it kind of reminds me a little bit of. I mean, we talked about it before, but like the prequels and how they overused the CGI. The prequels. And CGI Wars. is a tool. C- CGI is a tool. It's not always a bad thing, you know. Thor right, Ragnarok. Right. Uh, some some of the other like Endgame used a lot of CGI, but it looks great. Right. So it's and another thing is this is a little bit old it's almost a decade at this point so we're starting to see those flaws but maybe a couple years ago we wouldn't have seen those flaws just because we're becoming accustomed to what cgi and where cgi and physics meet you know right but um i do agree that i think there were scenes where i was just like oh that just transitioned into a cgi shot like there was a scene where zod was on the ground and like his two guys two guys came up and like lifted him up and i could tell like where it turned into CGI like models. Yeah. So there's stuff like that. But um, where I lose interest in the movie every single time is the fights. Not because of the CGI, but because they don't make any sense for a Superman film. Yes, you, you have you have uh, characters that are equally as powerful, if not more powerful, than Superman. Superman in this ish, in this instance, uh, because they have more fighting prowess and stuff. But what I don't understand is they start in a cornfield and they end in Smallville town and they never leave town and every single punch sends them through another building. And it's like, why can't Clark just have the forethought to just jump over this and go back into the cornfield to save people's lives and livelihood? Dude. Because literally, literally every single punch, every <laughs> single push, they broke through a bank, they broke through an IHOP, they broke through a Sears, they went through everything in this movie. And then it doesn't stop because, you know, later in the film you have uh, Zod trying to, like, do, like, the um, the 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 world machine. Oh, what's it called? Um, the world engine, which is a kind of a cool name for a sci-fi uh, thing in general. But, yeah, so he's, he sets his world engine up in, like, the Indian Ocean and then on the other side of the world in Metropolis. And it's just shooting out beams trying to terraform the Earth and it's destroying Metropolis as we see it. I'm okay with that because that's the villain doing it. But when it comes to Clark and everyone um, fighting, and he's fighting Zod, and he's going through the world engine, and he's doing this and that, it's all over the city, dude. You know, and oh my gosh, like everything that you're saying. While I was watching this movie, I'm like, dude, what is he doing? Why? I was like, why is he fighting in the city? They're destroying everything worse than this world engine. They're flying through, they're like punching each other, flying through these buildings, destroying all these buildings. I'm like, I'm like, Clark, what are you doing? There's a Fly lot of, away. I, and what's weird is that like, no matter which direction they would punch each other, they would go through something. And there's even a point where like they punch uh, or they, they, they push each other into space. And what do they hit? They hit a satellite. Like, what are the chances of that? There's so much space up there. They hit a satellite. What? What? Dude, they're just like, yeah. 
they're they're really just there to de- de- destroy everything as possible. Like General General Zod's like, yes, you're helping me. <laughs> you're helping me yeah, like clean just like, up. Let's clean up house. Uh, but but no, seriously, it's not just the villains like doing the damage. There there are scenes where Clark is literally like dragging this guy's face through buildings, and he's yes. like dragging it on the glass of the, uh, the glass of the building, like he's using the building as a weapon. Um, and it's not supermanly. What what are you doing, man? And that's why he's, I don't think I don't think Zack Snyder was right for for this this thing because clearly he just wanted to make something cool. He wanted to make something epic where he could destroy stuff and. I know this wasn't it. I don't know. It's, it's, like, it's a weird thing. Why would why would he need to drag his face through a building anyways? It's not going to do anything. So yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, and yeah, there, dude, there were like, cool bits I, of that fight. I, I, I don't want to say that there weren't cool things about that fight because there were, and it was a really like the punches landed in cool ways and stuff. It was very Dragon Ball Z ish in some instances. Yeah, the but uh, you notice like when, when they would punch each other, those like sonic booms that would kind of come off. Yeah, and the the super speed attacks that was very Dragon Ball Z esque. So the but you know comparing it to Dragon Ball Z is weird because when you think of any fights in Dragon Ball Z, where are they? Not in a city. They're out in the wilderness because they have some general decency. You know, <laughs> hey Even Frieza, so. we're on we're on <laughs> Namek. We can do it in the city, or we can do it over there, like by the the hills. Let's go by the hills because that's. Because I, I, I think Goku has a little bit more sense than Superman in this instance. Let's not destroy people's lives. You know how many people they probably killed just by like just grinding through buildings like that. I, I can't even. I know. The and you know, buildings are like falling over as they're like destroying through them. Dude, it, it is so get, funny that you're saying this because my thoughts exactly. I'm like, dude, what is? Why doesn't Clark just like fly away? You know, draw him away from General Zod from the city and then fight or like fly into the sky and fight. You know, dude, it's crazy. Like, they're just like destroying everything, which for General Zod, it's whatever. But for Clark, he's supposed to be protecting these people. I, I have a lot of people online who would go and, and go ahead and call me an, uh, an MCU fan, an MCU fanboy. And for all intents and purposes, I am. I love the MCU. Um, and I, I I will defend certain things, uh, but I don't defend blindly. So if there are things that I don't like about a film or I don't like about a franchise, I will say it. Um, but a lot of people compare this fight to the fight the previous year in Avengers, where they're, they're, the, the Chitauri invasion is attacking New York. I'm sorry, but they don't destroy buildings. They're not going through buildings. You know, they, they may destroy a facade in the in the wake of it a hulk may you know grapple onto an edge of a building and chip off uh the the edge of it or break a window or two but they're not literally crippling all of manhattan right and it's different though it's really different because they're fighting this massive army and it's not it's not as simple as like it's two whereas in man of steel it's two people fighting Clark could have easily had brought General Zod out of the city. He could have, you know, flew away. One of the times that he grabbed him, he could have thrown him far away and, like, you know, take him out of the city. Whereas this invasion happened in the city. And th- that was, you know, in uh, Avengers, the-, the invasion happened in the city. That's where the wormhole was. And that's where they had to close the wormhole. 
So I don't know. It's right. I, I can't. I can't. There's no. There's no comparison. Like they're completely different it's, fights. Yeah, and people do compare them, and they're they're like, oh, well, what about Avengers? You know, they they drop like big uh, space whales on buildings. Okay, but the space whales didn't destroy the buildings that they landed on. They just kind of like crumpled on top of them, and yeah, there was a lot of damage. Uh, we saw we saw the aftermath of the damage in. Yeah, there was a lot of damage. We saw the aftermath of some of the damage and stuff like Homecoming. Uh, at the beginning of Homecoming, we have like um, that stuff. But going back to Man of Steel, or actually going like, going back to Avengers, they they send a nuke to New York City because they think that that's the only way to close the portal. Um, not necessarily the Avengers, but is it Shields? I, I think it's Shields. They send or either Shield or the U.S. government. I forget at this point. They send a nuke to to destroy it all. Um, and they're willing to take that risk of 7 million plus lives. But the Avengers, the heroes, are not willing to do that. And Tony makes a very self-sacrificing, uh, he has a very self-sacrificing moment where he diverts the nuclear missile. Right, in this into movie, the portal. Yeah, in this movie, I, I feel like Superman would just be like, yeah, point it right over there at the city. Fire. <laughs> this will maybe help destroys odd i don't know it's a weird adaptation of the superman story i don't hate it i really don't and right, i want to like right. it i really do same um I, I like you were saying with henry cavill i think he's a fantastic choice he has the character he has the demeanor he has the gravitas and he has the look and he's he's jacked out of his mind but he the the direction of the film says otherwise it says this is bizarro world superman this is not superman you have a lot of like Zack snyder fanboys out there that um i i don't begrudge them that you know i you you like what you you like and whatever but i just this is as a superman fan and i've always been a superman fan this is one film i just can't get behind i don't say i I won't say that i dislike it but there's a lot that i don't like about it right i don't know no i i agree and this is coming from somebody that's not a crazy Superman fan. I mean, I like Superman and this movie isn't the worst DC movie that's out there. I will say that it is not the worst, but there is, there is a lot about it that I don't like. I feel like Henry Cavill does Superman justice, but I don't think the writing does in this film. Yeah. I think that's fair, and I don't know who did the writing. I don't know if it was Zack Snyder. I doubt it, but um, I I do, and I'm I'm tentative about the Justice League movie because I was burned out after Man of Steel. I didn't dislike Batman vs Superman, but I didn't like it, and surprisingly, I I actually did like the the Joss Whedon Justice League movie just because it was a different take on the characters um, and it felt more like a comic book but I cannot wait to see the culmination of his trilogy if that makes any sense because this is his vision and I want to see it through you know what I mean like I, I want to see the final product that he was envisioning um, and that's what I'm most excited about with the Justice League film and it's going to be a bizarre thing because we've already got this film this is just going to be double-sized and uh taken in a different direction so i right. i am like really excited about it but i'm tentative because 
I just don't like his interpretation of the DC universe. My biggest problem with the DC expanded universe or like these movies is that I feel like they're I feel like they're trying to do things that they're not ready for. I don't think that they were ready for a Justice League movie. I feel that no. I feel that I feel like the this DC cinematic universe has too many like loose ends to it. It's not tightly wound. It's somebody, you know, they they need to do something because Marvel Marvel has their stuff down packed. Am I saying that every single one of Marvel's movies are winners? No, but they seem to have an idea of what they want to do and they go with it and they and, work together and, he, and even DC bad doesn't Marvel have films. What happened? Yeah. Even, even bad Marvel films are still are good. Films that don't, don't land and they're at least telling a chapter of this overarching story. Exactly. You know, it's like a book series just because you don't like one book does not mean that you're not going to like the next, but when your, your film series starts on a film like Man of Steel, it and it shows a general misunderstanding of the source material. It's kind of hard to get behind, but they went gung ho with it. And you know, the second film in the series was a weird um, thing where they put they decided to put all three of DC's biggest superheroes in one movie. Yeah, and also do one of the biggest storylines in the Superman story arc which is the death of superman and it was they were ready you know for that. We'll, we'll, they weren't they ready weren't for ready that. for that it, it was unearned they they um, didn't, didn't establish these characters they didn't establish these actors into these characters now i i will say easily that the best part of um superman versus batman is wonder woman mm -hmm. and i'm gonna stand by that because they were not ready for that film. That is a big storyline. I, I will agree with you. And it's like, dude, like, what do you guys, you, you guys, they're trying to catch up with, like, like what they're trying to do is like catch up with Marvel because they see what Marvel's doing. Marvel's making these humongous storylines. But dude, back in 2008, they started with Iron Man. Yeah. They didn't start, which is, dude, they didn't start with Iron Man. And then next year they did Avengers. They right. didn't do that. Yeah, they so established the characters. <laughs> they, 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 they uh, established um, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. They did really well with the casting. He did, you know, and they they established the roles. They they did well with uh, Captain America with Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth as Thor. They did their casting was great, and they developed their characters. And that's what DC's not doing. DC, yeah. DC. So we're, we're we're not trying to hate on DC, and you know I know that this turned from a Man of Steel podcast to you know, and it sounds like we're hating on DC, and I don't want it to to make it sound like we hate DC because DC has some really great storylines, and DC has storylines that I will say that Marvel got their influences from, but they're just not doing these storylines justice. Yeah, if if they were, we would definitely be giving them more credit where yeah. due because, f frankly, like I, I don't read comics regularly anymore. But when I did, uh, like of the five or six comics that I would pick up on my like weekly run, four of them, five of them would be DC stuff, and then maybe one 
Captain America or maybe one um, Spider-Man comic, something like that. So I I love DC. I, I think that the DC um, universe is more interesting when done right. But yeah, I don't think that they have been done right. And going back to Iron Man, like you were saying, it's weird that they were able to start a whole series off of that, a whole franchise off of that, because Iron Man wasn't a big character. No, he was not. Iron Man was maybe a C a C tier character. Like he wasn't even a B tier character. Um, I would put maybe Captain America in the B tier character. I would put Thor in the B tier character, but Iron Man was like a, a nobody. He he was nothing. Um, and everyone kind of scoffed before that movie came out, like, what are you doing making a film about Iron Man? Um, and this is coming off of like you know the Sam Raimi trilogy. This is coming off of the Fantastic Four and X Men trilogy and all that kind of stuff. So you came from having huge A tier stuff to going down to C tier for the start of Marvel's thing, and they nailed it. They hit the groundwork with they hit the groundwork with uh, characters that you wouldn't expect to make movies out of, and then nowadays. You wouldn't even expect to like see, or nobody would think of Iron Man as anything less than an A tier because they were able to build the character up. So, th- and that's something that DC's always been scared about doing is using their lesser characters in movies. You know, they have dabbled in it. They they tried putting Green Lantern in, who wasn't a he, he's a B tier character, and that movie didn't go anywhere. Whatever, uh, but they're scared. Uh, they have been. Uh, historically scared of uh, showcasing their lesser-known characters. Um, and more they, recently... They, and there's love for the, their lesser-known characters. Dude, I remember being a kid and watching Static Shock, and I absolutely yeah. loved that show. And, yeah, dude, show. they have so many amazing characters out there. And, yeah, they're trying to, they're trying to stick with, you know, their quote-unquote A-list characters... And they're just, they're falling flat. Every once in a while, they'll hit a note. Uh, Wonder Woman. And I will say Aquaman. I had fun watching Aquaman. I enjoyed Aquaman. But, you know, they're just, they they have a long way to go. I think that what they need to do is that they need to go to the drawing board. And they need to build some sort of structure. And they need to know what they want to do. Because they're just throwing these movies out. And it just seems... I don't know. Does it? Does, am I the only one feeling that it seems like they're aimless with their films? Like it doesn't so, yeah, seem right like there's now, anything. At when when they first started their movie, like around the time of Batman vs Superman and Justice League and Wonder Woman, that was kind of an exciting time for DC because it was like maybe this is the film where they'll get on their feet. Maybe this is the film that'll like break the mold. But it never happened, and it was a misstep after a misstep. So. What, in my opinion, Justice League is a sequel to a movie that was less than its. Uh, than the, okay, so Man of Steel, poor footing, but a sequel was made off of that, and then a spin off off of that, which was Justice League. And it was just a weird downward slope of like, there's no footing for this film to take shape, and you're adding three more characters and then after justice league failed miserably like it, it literally performed less than the sum of its parts you would think that a movie that stars batman wonder woman and uh superman would make some pretty big bucks you know if uh <laughs> if if marvel was doing that it'd be a billion dollar movie 
but when it came to Justice League, it, it just flopped out of the gate. It, it crash landing, basically. But um, since then, it's been pretty random. Uh, you know, you still have like the characters existing in the same universe, but there's no connective tissue whatsoever. And it's like, where are you going with this? Are you going to continue down this route with these characters? Um, are they going to connect at some point in the future? And maybe, who knows, maybe the Snyder Cut will bring new life, a new love for the shared DCEU universe. But uh, right now, it's it's like it's looking bleak. Hopefully this movie does something because bringing out Darkseid is like, I mean, that's that's some pretty big guns, man. That's bringing out Thanos pretty much in the yeah. DC world. Yeah. So we'll see. So we'll see. I mean, it's going to be a long movie, so so get ready. Yeah. But, you, you know, you, yeah. you and I are, uh, we're used to watching long movies and here comes oh, yeah, Lord of the Rings sure, again. Sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah, I know that we kind of went on a tangent there at, at the end, but I don't think that we'd be doing this podcast right in, in at least like giving our thoughts on the universe that this film was supposed to build, you know? Yeah. DC, and y'all got to do something. Warner Brothers, something. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about the DC extended universe further um in future podcasts actually our i think our first episode our first official episode is about uh the dc universe they had a a big fandom event uh, a couple months back so if you want to experience more of our dc coverage you can go to our very first episode where we talk a lot about uh that oh before we go dude did you hear about the news that the creators of Avatar are coming back to oh, yeah. have the new Oh yeah, they're, animated they're heading... film? Come on, man. I'm ready for that. Hold on, not just that. Not not just an animated film. They're starting Avatar Studios. Oh yeah, like I saw that Studios, too. Which means multiple shows, multiple different eras, and potentially multiple films. And it's all head uh, it's all headed by uh, Michael DiMartino and Brian Konietzko. So I am so stoked. So that sounds good because that means that we actually might get that live adaptation, but just not through Netflix, which I'm fine with. I mean, because well, we, was, we are we are still getting that Netflix one, by the way. Like that's still happening. I I it, I don't think it's gonna. I think that they're. Oh man, because the creators, man, they did their homework. I don't know. They. I mean, yeah, if the, I, the I Netflix people, they they better do their homework. They better do their homework. But yeah, no, I yeah, I was reading that. I was like, oh wow, man, that that sounds cool. And it might be more than just that. I mean, all sorts of media. Well, yeah, we we already have the canon comic books and a couple novels in there. Um, I have a lot of them over like behind me. So I'm excited to. I haven't actually sat down to read all the comics yet. So I'm I'm thinking like now's a good time to like jump into it to see like what happens between Avatar: The Last Airbender and the legend of korra and then a little after the legend of korra because there's some comics back there too yeah man i think we should close this podcast out what do you say actually before we go um sorry let's let's go back to man of steel because there's one thing that we should talk about um it's actually not something that it's a lot of it's something that a lot of people have a problem with but it's not something that i have a problem with it's a see it's a scene where um general zod is testing clark's limits 
and he's about to uh, vaporize a bunch of people with his heat ray or his heat vision. And uh, Clark basically snaps his neck. What What are your thoughts on that? It doesn't bother me, but I could see why people don't like it because it, in a lot, in a lot of ways, it is kind of out of character for Superman. But mm. I mean, at this point, does it really matter? Because they've destroyed half the city. There are so many parts. There are so many parts in that film that were were so uncharacteristic for Clark that i mean sure just throw that in there while you're at it you know yeah but it, like so, it didn't it wasn't like a driving force for me to like be like oh man i hate this movie because that happened and it's not like superman hasn't killed before in the comics or anything he has i i think that why this doesn't bother me is just because of the context of the, the situation yeah he would rather save those that family of four than this homicidal countryman of his you know he doesn't have anything to lose by keeping zod alive and sure you can make the argument that's not something that superman would do and generally speaking you are correct but in this instance he had no other choice so he he snapped his neck and he he ended zod there so he did show some remorse though Oh yeah, yeah, and he he like got on his knees, and he it was almost like his soul was crying out. You know, he he was just in anguish in that moment because, and I think that's for a couple of reasons. Probably because he killed someone for the first time in his life, uh, willingly, and secondly, that was the last of his kind that he willingly yeah. got rid of. I, I do feel for him in that moment, but again, what other choice do you got? This yeah. guy's this guy's crazy. He's planning on terraforming the entire Earth and killing everyone on it. So there's at, at that point there is no reasoning with him. There's no prison that can hold him. There's nothing that you could do. He just wants to kill so that he can bring Krypton back. And in that instance, I'm okay with Superman taking. Zod's life into his own hands. I, I don't, I don't see that as a non-Superman thing to do. Yeah, that that that's that's fair. And and like I said, he he showed that remorse. So it wasn't like he was doing it and he was like happy about it. Yeah, no, it, it, definitely not. He wasn't um, happy by any means. But yeah, uh, it's an interesting scene. I actually. I don't want to say that I like the scene because it's kind of just a hard thing to watch, but it's a good scene in the sense that it's it tells a lot about who Clark is as a character or Kal-El is as a person. Right. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us here at Project Ecology for our 21st episode. Next Monday for episode 22, we'll be diving into our discussion of The Princess Bride by director Rob Rayner. And for episode 23, on the following Monday, you voted for us to cover Gareth Edwards' Godzilla film from 2014. We're a bit ahead of schedule in terms of what we're recording next, so please note episode 24 will cover the new Charles Soule novel, Light of the Jedi. Be sure to find all links to our show and socials in the show notes so you can keep up to date on all Project Ecology news and updates. If you enjoyed today's show, share it on social media, review it on your preferred podcast application, or talk to us directly online. Alright guys, thank you for listening. I hope you all have a great week. And you too, Dakota. Any last remarks for this episode? Nope. Have a good one, guys. Bye.